welcome to our Kingdom Culture Podcast. For today's message, we are thankful for what God is doing through this podcast to encourage and transform lives around the world. If you have a story to share about how God has encouraged or transformed your life through this podcast, we would love to hear about it by emailing us at mystory@kingdomculture.ca. If you would like to support this ministry financially to help us bring messages like this to you every week, you can do so online at kingdomculture.ca at the give option. We also would love to connect with you on our social media, on Instagram and Twitter at KC Ottawa and Facebook at Facebook slash Kingdom Culture Ottawa. We pray that you would experience God today and be encouraged through today's message. Enjoy! Hey, Kingdom Culture, happy Sunday. Welcome, welcome to our online experience. So thankful that you're here, that you drop by. Whether you're new with us or you're part of the Kingdom Culture family, we're thankful that you are here. This is an action pack Sunday. Special, special Sunday that's near and dear to uh, all of the hearts of those that are involved in the community, in the church community of Kingdom Culture. Before we dive in to this Sunday, I want to just remind everyone, as you've already heard in the announcements already, about the importance of this coming Wednesday's all-church Zoom call. All are welcome. Okay, I would, we'd love for you to join us, uh, whether you're new with us, whether you're, of course, with your on team, we, we want you to be there, of course, uh, you're part of the house already, but if you're new with us, join in. We have a very special announcement that we are going to be making, so I would love to see your face this Wednesday at 8.30. Yes, it's on Zoom, not in person, but hopefully that's going to be uh, starting soon as well. Uh, If you've been tracking with my Supernatural Leadership podcast, we have part two uh, of our Supernatural Money Mindset chat that I had with Toyan Crandall, who's a very well-known financial coach and best-selling author. Uh, We did part two of our chat. If you've already heard part one, I know... Man, so many people were encouraged by that chat already. Check out part two, because I know it will really, really strengthen you along on your journey. Now, we are in week five. We have two more weeks left of our Worthy series. We've been in a series based on uh, the main Bible passage of Revelation chapter five, verse 11 to 12, talking about John's experience in heaven, his vision in heaven. It says this, Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne, living creatures and the elders. Number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. Jesus is the Lamb. Worthy is Jesus who was slain, who was slaughtered, who was crucified. And he's worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom, strength, honor, and glory and blessing. This has been the baseline. Like I've said every week, we're not exegetically breaking down this passage, but it's kind of been the baseline and sort of zoning in on this theme that Jesus is worthy of it all during this worthy series. Of course, he's worthy of it all, all the time in and through our lives, but we're talking about uh, uh, how this pertains to this series called Worthy. Like I said, we have two more weeks left, this week and next week to close it out, and it's going to be a very special Sunday next week, so you're not going to want to miss that as well. As well this Sunday, as most all of you already know, this is our very special House of Hearts Sunday which is the what we do this every year around the second Sunday in December to close out the tax year of 2021 specifically, but every year we do this. And it's a, a one time a year moment where the house comes together and for a very special year and financial offering to strengthen the house, to advance the house, to move the house of God forward, and of course for expansion in the future. But we do this to strengthen the people of the house. We give an opportunity for our hearts to grow together in sacrifice, for our hearts to grow together in generosity. And and the reason why we attach our faith to these bookmarks that you all got, either in the mail or you got it by email, uh, you got a bookmark, it looks just like this. Right here and on the back, it says what we're believing for in 2022. We ask that when you are stepping out, maybe it's the first time you're going to step out and, and you know, give for the first time and trust God with your finances for the first time. Or maybe you're going to give and start trusting God with your tithe, your 10%. Or maybe it's above and beyond that, generously sacrificing something that means something so important to you. And what we do is we ask that you write down the things that you're believing for in connection to this sacrifice 
for the following year. And as you've already heard uh, some of the testimonies, we just love hearing these testimonies of what God does when we partner with him and in our faith. And so if you haven't already, fill out this card today because you're going to have an opportunity uh, at the very end to be a part of our end of the year uh, sacrificial year-end giving. Now, you don't have to be a part of this. We don't want to make anybody feel like they have to. Uh, we don't want it to be an obligation or even a ritual for you, even a tradition if you're part of the house. We want to come to a place where we are joyful in this act, joyful, happy to do this because we feel like God is asking this of us. That's, that's where the breakthrough lies. That's where the blessing lies, is when we do what God wants us to do, we see the reward of his faithfulness because of our faithfulness. Yes, it's all because of him in the end. It's all his favor. But there's something that happens when we co-labor, walk side by side with Jesus, and don't just sit on our couch and do nothing and wait for God's favor. When we partner with him and we step out and we do the impossible and we do what we feel God telling us to do, we see great things happen. And that's why we do what we do, and that's why um, we, we get people to write down what they're believing for to partner their faith with their financial sacrificial seed. And so we're also going to be taking uh, communion together at the end when we take up the House of Hearts special year-end offering. And so hopefully you, hopefully you can stay for that as well. If you haven't already, get your you know, your your blood, the blood of Jesus, get your grape juice, the wine, whatever it is for you, and the body the the bread or the cracker, the gluten-free cracker, whatever, the the cracker made of spelt or whatever it is that you want to get. Get whatever you need prepared uh, as a family, as a couple, as an individual to be a part of this moment at the end. Because we're going to pray. Take communion. We're going to do the House of Hearts offering like we usually do. And then we're going to pray. We're going to pray over all of the bookmarks of the things that you've written down that you're believing for for 2022. We're going to pray over them at the very end. We encourage all of like your kids to be involved. My kids are involved. My kids sow into this. They save their money. They sow. They, uh, they, they write down on their cards what they're believing for. And it's always an amazing encouragement for them uh, the following year. So let's dive into this. That was a mouthful. Let's dive into this. I was actually, you know, really praying for the last several weeks about what I was to share for this special year-end House of Hearts offering message. What, what, God, what do you want me to encourage our house in on this day? And last week when I was reading out of John chapter 12 for last week's message, there was a phrase that really popped out to me and I felt the Holy Spirit. This is actually while I was reading it last week, like live in the video, while I was reading it, I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, this is the framework for next week's message. And so uh, that's kind of where it started for me. So that's John chapter 12, John chapter 12, verse one to eight. Now, like I said last week, I've preached maybe, I don't know, a handful of times, maybe like three or four times in the last several years uh, from this passage, maybe maybe like three, I don't even know. I, I just know I've, I've, I've preached about or around this message several times, but each time I'll share about this scripture or on this scripture, we go a little bit deeper. It's kind of like an onion. Like the more the layers you peel back of the onion, the more potent it gets to your eyes, the more the stronger the smell. And so I feel like that's what like the word is like. That even if if you've you know heard the same passage preached from many times, like each time you're getting something new. You're going a little bit deeper. So hopefully we're gonna go a little bit deeper today, and we're gonna pick it up in John chapter one, but really focus around. John uh, chapter 12, verse uh, 3. But let's read verse 1. Six days before the Passover celebration began, so Jesus is going, about to enter into the phase where he's going to die on the cross. Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus. We know Lazarus was the guy in John chapter 11 who was dead for four days and stunk, and Jesus raised him from the dead, the brother of Mary and Martha, the man he had raised from the dead. Verse 2, a dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his hair, or wiping his feet, sorry, with her hair. Imagine that. Wiping his feet. Imagine wiping off your husband's feet 
with your hair. Your long, beautiful hair that you just went to the hair salon to get fixed up. You got it dyed. It's freshly smelling. It's perfect. It's like shimmering like L'Oreal commercials. And and here you, you feel called to now dump this perfume on your son's dirty feet or your husband's dirty feet and then wipe up the perfume and wipe off the dirty feet with your newly L'Oreal infused hair. Imagine that for a second. That's not the scenario here, but I'm just giving you a little bit of a picture. She's wiping her, his feet, Jesus' feet with her hair. The house, this is the verse, or this is the phrase I wanna zone in on today. This is where the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, this is next week's, me- next week's message. The house was filled. Everyone say filled. Come on, I can't hear you. Say it, filled. The house was filled with the fragrance. It was filled with the fragrance. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, talked about Judas last week. Please listen to last week's message. If you have not listened to it, it would be great for you to go back to listen to it, to get a little more context as to what we are really zoning in on in this passage. So so uh, where was I here? But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who, who would soon betray him, said in verse five, that perfume was worth a year's wages. So the sacrifice was worth a whole year's salary. It's a big, big deal. This perfume, this 12-ounce jar, not that big, not that big of a jar, but a full year's salary was poured out on Jesus' feet. That perfume was worth a, worth a year's worth of wages, Judas, has said, Judas said. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor because he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. Wait a minute. Does Jesus, who's all about the poor, his ministry, like justice, social justice, the poor, taking care of the widow, taking care of the orphan, like religion is useless without these things James talks about. And Jesus was all about this ministry. And yet in this moment, Jesus replies, leave her alone, Judas. She did this in preparation for my burial, which was Jesus' interpretation, but really was not Mary's interpretation because Mary really didn't fully understand what was going on, didn't understand what was about to happen. It was like her spirit was doing something far beyond even her mind could understand, which often is what giving is about. When we give, we have no idea what we're actually doing. We think we're doing one thing, but God is preparing something totally different. It's like we're pouring into eternity, but we don't always have the glimpse of what kind of investment we are actually making into eternity. Mary really had no idea she was, you know, this was part of the preparation for his burial, but he knew that her sacrificial offering was doing more than she thought it was going to do, which is what happens when we step out in faith and give. And so she did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you. This is how Jesus finishes his statement. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. So if you're taking notes today, like I said, I'm focusing on verse three. The house was filled with the fragrance. Write this down. Fill the house. Fill the house. We're talking about filling the house. This is what we're doing today for our House of Hearts 2021 year and special offering. This is what we are doing today. We are filling it with the smell of sacrifice. Beautiful, sacrificial generosity. We are breaking through today. I believe in our own lives, in our own heart, we are pouring a sacrifice out to Jesus as a step of faith that really means something to us. Sacrifice is not something that doesn't mean something to somebody. It's not sacrifice if it doesn't mean something to some, to, to you. It, when, it, when it's sacrifice, it feels like something. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it comes with mourning in the sense of, not that you're not joyful to do it, but even in joy and you know that's the right thing and you're happy to do what God's calling you to do, it can feel painful. It can feel like this is all I've got. It can feel like this is a step of faith. Like when Peter got up out of the boat and walked on water, it was a step of faith. I'm sure there was a part of Peter as he was stepping out onto the water that felt a little bit painful in the sense of like, I could lose my life in this very moment. Like this is what sacrifice often feels like. Okay, and this is what we are doing today. And uh, I just want to ask you this question because I want to frame what we get out of this based upon verse three about this house filling with the fragrance. What does your house smell like? 
What does your personal house, like you are, the Bible calls you a house, the house of God. The Bible calls you uh, a temple. Paul calls you the temple of the Holy Spirit. So if you are a temple, you are like a house, you are like a house of God. You are part of the house of God, the great ecclesia. You are a living stone that makes up the house of God, but also your family. Maybe you're a bachelor. Maybe you're in a relationship, a new relationship, an engaged relationship, a married relationship. Um, whatever the case may be for you. Maybe you're a retiree and you're living alone and, and you're kind of living your best life or whatever the case may be. What does your house smell like? When people come into your house, what do they smell? Well, they're going to smell the thing that you probably most recently cooked. They're going to smell what you normally cook. They're going to smell the spices that you normally use. That's why you can go into someone's house and you can usually tell what they normally cook by what their house smells like. The thing is, we don't often, we aren't often aware of what our house smells like because we're always in it. But we go to someone else's house, we're super aware. It's not our smell. It's kind of like bad breath. You're the only one that doesn't know you have it. It's, it's kind of like a house smell. And I think... It's so important. I actually always ask people when they come to my house, what does my house smell like? Because, you know, I've heard different things over the year. I'm like, I, 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 don't, I don't know what it smells like. Actually, if I go away for a long time and I say I'm like on a vacation or say I'm like traveling and I haven't been around for even four, three, four days, I forget the smell of my house. And I'm like, oh yeah, okay, that's recognizable. But then once you're in it, you forget about what it smells like. And so I think it's so important. I know that I'm not talking about, you know, naturally... You know, I'm speaking symbolically here. I'm speaking a little bit metaphorically here. I just believe this, that whatever sacrifice you live by will determine whatever your house smells like. Whatever you sacrifice day to day, whatever you make a priority day to day will determine what your house smells like. What ingredients you use day to day. What ingredients it's like you sacrifice off the shelf to put into your dish will determine what your house vibe smells like. I remember back in grade four, I have a very, I don't know why, I don't have a lot of memories, like I would say after or before grade three, but I remember grade four, I was in a split class. And, uh, you know, obviously that's like the pubescent stage, you know, people are hitting puberty, things are changing, there's new smells all of a sudden in the classroom. You gotta understand, we were in a portable, I remember being in a portable grade four, five split class and, uh, like, you know, those that were a year older than me that are, have hit puberty, some of them are already growing facial hair and this one guy had already had like a half a mustache in grade five and he was known as the mustache guy. He was quite bigger than everybody else. He hit puberty. Uh, very, very early on. And so I remember being in class one day and uh, never really smelling, at least to my memory, like the smell of body odor, like never having an encounter or never sitting beside somebody where I was forced to sit for 45 minutes in a class, try to remain undistracted when somebody right beside me smelt like he had like, like I can't even describe the smell to you, but I, I have this memory, this core memory of the body odor, the BO coming from this guy, I even know his name. I'm not gonna shame him publicly, but I actually know, I remember his name, first and last name. And I just remember thinking through the whole 45 minutes of this class, like I, I'm gonna die, I can't handle this. How can nobody else notice this? Why doesn't he notice it? Like what's the problem? Did he sacrifice his deodorant because he was in a rush today? Like did he, did he sacrifice having a bath last night because he wanted to play video games? Like what did he sacrifice to smell like this? This is literally not the same language I was using, but I'm like wondering how did he get out of the house not knowing this was his smell? Now, Maybe we already had recess. I don't know. And he was, you know, sweating up a storm outside. I don't remember the scenario. All I remember is that it's a core memory and it really, I don't say it didn't scar me, but it just like, it was like my introduction to the importance of wearing deodorant because you don't often know you smell because it's your smell. Everybody else does. And you don't want to be that guy or that woman that smells and doesn't know that you smell. I don't wanna be that guy that has the house that smells that doesn't know the house smells. And I, once again, I'm kind of poking fun. I'm kind of, you know, making a, a little bit of a joke here, but I, I really believe the crux of this scripture is all about the smell that filled the house was directly an overflow and directly a byproduct of the radical 
sacrifice that Mary poured out on Jesus' feet. It was a sign of the sacrifice. The smell represented the sacrifice. I want my life. I want my house, my personal house, my physical my physical house, my, my, my family, my kids to represent a life of sacrifice. I want to be known when I die as a man of sacrifice. Not sacrificing the wrong things, but sacrificing the right things for the sake of eternity. That's I mean, you know, Jesus is going to meet me one day when I die. I mean, I've already met him, but you know what I mean? Metaphorically speaking, actually, and literally when I die, I'm going to meet Jesus and he's going to say to me, you know, you did well with what I gave you. Hopefully. You did the best you could with what I gave you. Hopefully. Good uh, <laughs> good job, faithful servant. Like, hopefully. Like, uh, obviously, this is, I believe that's going to happen. I mean, like, putting my, you know, my heart out there for this to happen. You know, I want this to happen. I believe it's going to happen. I'm just saying that one day I'm going to take account for the sacrifice that I lived by. I'm I'm going to take I'm going to I'm going to come up against and see like what my sacrifice did for all eternity. And that's the life that we are called to live. It's a life of sacrifice. So the smell you give off is determined by the sacrifice you live by. It's either a selfless sacrifice or a selfish sacrifice. I want mine to be selfless. You want yours to be selfless. Sacrifice unto your own benefit or sacrifice unto the benefit of others. And we're talking about this in the context of our special House of Hearts year-end offering. This is what many people are going to do today and step out into, maybe for the first time. And remember, it's not about the size of the gift. It's about the size of the sacrifice. It's not about everyone being equal in the size of the gift, but equal in sacrifice. We want to fill the house today, the house of God. We want to fill the house of God, the house, all of our families. We want to fill the house today with this fragrance, this fragrant sacrificial generosity. We want to fill the house of God with the smell of three pairs. I'm calling them pairs of important aspects like Mary did. And I've paired these two words up three different times uh, out of this passage to give us some insight into what I believe God wants our house to smell like in this season. Number one. Honor and humility, write that down. Number one, honor and humility. John 12, verse three, let's start there. Then Mary took a 12 ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance. Why is this honor and humility? Because it was humility. It was humility to kneel down lowly and to go to the dirtiest place of the body in that culture and to, to demonstrate an act of humility. And in fact, this is what Jesus did to his disciples as well at the Last Supper. He actually did the act of humility, the greatest act of, as a sign of what he was going to do to serve all humanity. He's going to go to the dirtiest place. He's going to deal with our sin. He's going to go down low. He's going to humble himself as the humble servant who's laying down his life for his friends, for all humanity. And here Mary, in preparation, not even really knowing what's going to happen to Jesus, gets down in the same posture, lowly, humble, to honor, to pour out the sacrificial gift and then wipe her, take her hair, take something that meant something to her, that was a part of her, you know, in that culture, her, like the beauty of who she was. And, and she wipes the feet, the dirtiest part of his body with her hair. It was an act of honor and humility. Honor and humility. And I think honor and humility always go together. It takes humility to honor. And we talked about this before over and over again. Like real honor is only made manifest in conflict. Like you don't know, we don't know what honor is until there's a conflict and we have to humble ourselves in the conflict and continue to honor even in the disagreement, even in the conflict and even in the tension. Like honor and humility always go together. If you want to honor, you have to have humility to continue in a state of honor or in a relationship of honor, no matter the cost, no matter the price, no matter the tension and challenge and contradiction and all the things that go with that. It takes honor. It takes humility to have honor. They go together. It takes humility to go low. You know, in this context, the head would have been anointed. Normally, the head would have been anointed. But in this context, Mary gets down and does the feet, the lowliest 
the dirtiest place. It says in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 1, as dead flies cause even a bottle of perfume to stink, so a little foolishness spoils great wisdom and honor. So a little foolishness spoils great wisdom and honor. If you want to spoil honor, walk in foolishness. Judas walked in foolishness. We even see the foolishness of Judah with what Judas with what he said in verse uh, five, when he said, that perfume was worth a year's salary. Like, what are you doing? That's a whole year's salary. Like, you could have helped the poor. Not that he even cared about the poor. His heart, his lack of honor, his lack of humility, his lack of faith was demonstrated in this moment. His foolishness was demonstrated in this moment. His heart was exposed. His heart was, we see in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9, honestly, honesty lives confident and carefree, but shifty is sure to be exposed. I love that. Shifty. Shifty is sure to be exposed. His heart was exposed in this moment. His lack of honor, his lack of humility was exposed in this moment. I remember years ago, I was in Alabama with my mentor at the time who I was traveling with, and uh, this is a very long time ago. And I remember it was, I think it was one of the first times I like felt like I had an experience with the humility of Jesus. This camp we were at in Alabama, the leaders, uh, I think it was near the end or the middle of the trip, we were ministering at this camp for, I think, a full week. And at one point, the leaders got around us, and we were in this cabin, and they washed our feet. I was with a bunch of interns and my mentor at the time. And they and I had never, I don't think at that point, ever experienced that before. You know, it's kind of weird. You know, it's like, I'm thinking it's my feet. You know, who wants to touch feet? Once again, it was like an act. It was a prophetic act, kind of like what we see here, symbolic act of just honor, right? Humbling, humbly, humbly getting down and doing the dirty thing that no one wants to do and wash someone's feet in to demonstrate honor. And I felt like, I remember having an encounter with God. They prophesied over us, having this encounter with Jesus and feeling like, man, I feel what it feels like to encounter the humility of Jesus. Like this is maybe what it felt like for the disciples to have their leader, Jesus, wash their feet. So number one, we have honor and humility. We wanna fill the house with honor and humility. Number two, wanna fill the house with obedience and sacrifice. John chapter 12, verse five, let's read it. That perfume was worth a year's wages. That's all we need to know. That was a big sacrifice. That's a massive sacrifice. Imagine, imagine uh, you're you're giving somebody's years worth of wages to, to something that really has no charitable impact. Like this is not a donation. Okay. This is the in scholars, if you if you study this scripture, you'll see very quickly that this was more of an investment into eternity rather than like a charitable donation to help somebody out. Not that charitable donations aren't investments into eternity, don't get me wrong, but there's a difference between the the dynamic and the motive. It's like one is solely like a sacrificial, obedient act with not any sort of charitable reward behind it. Like we're not helping the poor, we're not giving alms to the needy, we're not building or doing a building project in some other country to help where there's less fortunate. Like we're not, it's not that, it's I'm simply honoring, I'm simply sacrificing, I'm simply being obedient to what my spirit is telling me to do and I'm pouring out this year's worth of salary as an investment into eternity even though I don't fully understand what this actually means, because this is what's happening in Mary. I mean, yes, if you read John 11, you'll see that like her brother was raised from the dead. She was super thankful. Like she was super thankful. This motivated probably her generous sacrifice. She's still reeling on this fact that my brother was dead for four days. He was in the tomb, wrapped up like a mummy. And here Jesus comes and calls him out and he comes back to life. And like, wow, my mind is blown. And now we're sitting together at the same table eating dinner and it's six days before Passover. I'm like, man, I am motivated. Mary's motivated to pour out this generous, sacrificial gift to Jesus that has no charitable reward for her. She can't measure analytically like how this is going to affect society. She's just like, I'm just thankful for you. I'm just thankful for you, Jesus. You did something amazing for me and I'm pouring it out all on you. Let me ask you the question, what has Jesus done for you? What has he done for you in this last season? Now, I said this last week. Remember, spiritually speaking, 
sacrifice, I said it differently, but sacrifice absent of obedience is lifeless. We don't, God does not want our lifeless sacrifices where we just kind of do things out of obligation, sacrifice this, sacrifice that. It's like, oh, I got to give. God doesn't want that. He loves a cheerful giver. He wants our giving, whether it's our time, our money, our gifts, our skills, whatever it is, he wants our giving to be motivated by joy, motivated because we want to be obedient. And obedience for a lot of people sounds so negative, sounds like I'm being like an obedient child. No, that's not what it is. Being led by the spirit of God is obedience. Like having a relationship with God only exists because we have a cooperation we have a communion together. We are co-laboring together. Therefore, I'm obedient to the things that he is leading me into. That's what obedience is. And it takes humility to be obedient. I mean, the definition really of humility is obedience on every level. But spiritually speaking, sacrifice is absent or sacrifice absent of obedience is lifeless. God does not want our obligated sacrifice. He wants our joyful and willful obedience, which becomes the strength and power of our sacrifice. Like I said, it's not a donation in this case. It's an investment. When the Queen of Sheba came and visited Solomon, she was inquiring of his wisdom, wanted his wisdom. She came not with a donation. She came with an investment. She came bearing gifts, radical sacrificial generosity. And uh, Solomon didn't need the money, but there was an exchange that was happening. There was an an honor that needed to take place as I'm gleaning from your wisdom, therefore I'm gonna bring you a gift. And like I said, Solomon didn't need it, but it was more an investment. It was more of like a thank you. It was more of an honoring act. And this act that Mary did, I mean, it's remembered for all, it will be remembered for all of eternity. It even says this in Mark chapter 14, verse nine, I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, the woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. We are not remembered for our success, but our sacrifice. Write that down. We are not remembered for our success, but for our sacrifice. Jesus in the Lord's Supper is remembered for his sacrifice. He's remembered for what he did. Do this in remembrance of me. I gave my body for you. I gave my blood for you. Do this in remembrance of me. What's remembered about you is the great reward or ruin of someone's legacy. What's remembered about you is the great reward or ruin of someone's legacy. What did you sacrifice your life for? Or who did you sacrifice it to? Success is kind of like the trophy. It's the thing on the wall. It's like, look, we got success. We won the competition. We became, we became first place. We got the plaque. We're certified great. But what's really remembered is what was gave up along the way or given up along the way to get that trophy. The sacrifices that were made, whether negative or positive. Yeah, my dad was super wealthy. And yeah, my dad was the number one guy on the Forbes list, you know, 10 years in a row. But I didn't know him. I didn't have a relationship with him. So what's remembered is not necessarily that the Forbes number one, 10 years in a row. It's all the things that were sacrificed along the way to give up the things that are actually gonna be what are remembered in the end. I remember that my dad wasn't there or my mom wasn't there. Or my, my best friend wasn't there when I needed him or my leader wasn't there. That's what's remembered is what was given up along the way on the road of success. And I remember this, I mean, I saw this every year, the last several years at least. There was one team member in our house named Marie Richards and she, uh, she, this still impacts me to this day. She was on her deathbed um, and uh, she was dying of cancer, had been a long road for her. She had been on our team for years. She was in, I believe her late, mid to late eighties at this point. And, uh, or maybe, yeah, I think about mid eighties, I think. And um, anyways, she was still full of life and I was visiting her and I actually ended up doing her, my wife and I did her funeral. But the week she died, the week she died, I visited her in her hospital, in the hospital room where she was staying, and I actually married her granddaughter because she wanted to be there for this wedding. So I married the granddaughter to her husband uh, in the where she was staying. It was kind of like a hospice-type room. She was about to die and had a little bit of interaction. Marie Richards didn't say a thing to me. Like, we didn't really have any conversation until the very, very end. She was just, like, kind of lifeless. You could tell she was on her way out. She was still listening 
still present, but not totally there in the sense of to have engaging conversation. And so at the very, very end of this whole experience, after I had married them, I married her, her granddaughter, sorry, um, you know, I, I say my goodbyes, give her a hug, pray for her. And I walked out of the room. And as I walked out of the room, the daughter came out and said, my mother wants to say something to you. Can you come back in for a second? So I came back in, got on my knees because she's sitting on this chair. I got on my knees and she very quietly, very um, eloquently said, Sean, did you get my holiday dream donation? Like it blew me away. Out of all the things she was, she wanted to make sure that her donation to our Christmas event at the end of every year that we do, she wanted to make sure that we as a house got that donation. That stuck with me, you guys. It was like my memory, my last, my, my last words with her, my last memory of her was her sacrifice, was her sacrificial gift into our Christmas event. Like it still impacts me to this day. It's her obedience and her sacrifice, which is remembered. We want to fill the house with honor and humility, obedience and sacrifice. Number three, preparation and presence. Preparation and presence. We're almost John, done. John 12, verse 7. Jesus replied, leave her alone when Judas was chirping her. Leave her, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. These two phrases, she did this in preparation for my burial, but you will not always have me speak of preparation and presence. You will not always have me. I am present with you now. Of course, new covenant, we are always in the presence of God. The presence of God is all around us all the time. But I want my house to smell. I want my life to smell like the fragrance of preparation for the future, preparation to keep on moving forward, preparation to fulfill God's call on my life and to do what God's calling me to do and invest into eternity. But I also want my life to smell like his presence everywhere I go. This radical sacrificial offering that Mary poured out on the feet of Jesus prepared the way for the most radical breakthrough, his death on a cross and his resurrection, which actually opened the door to all humanity to experience the permanent presence of God in and through their life. The door was open through Jesus for us to have an engaging connection with God. The throne room was made available. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16, we can boldly approach the throne of grace to obtain mercy in time of need. I have an all VIP access pass to heaven. I have an all VIP access pass to his presence 24-7. I want my house to smell like this. I said this earlier. It was probably easy for Mary to pour out this sacrifice because she had a thankful heart. But I also want to look at some other, I want to look at it another way because Mary had preparation in his presence. Mary spent time in his presence, sitting at his feet while others were busy with the hustle and bustle of life. We read about it in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42. Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem. They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Verse 39, her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught while Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. Mary had preparation time in his presence. That's why it was probably easy for her to give extravagantly. Because when you're in the presence of God, you're in the presence of the greatest giver that the universe has ever encountered, that the cosmos has ever encountered. We are literally spending time with generosity himself, Mr. Generosity himself. John 3 verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. At the core of the gospel message is generosity and giving. When you spend time in the presence of God, giving is a natural overflow of your life. Not to say that sometimes these bigger sacrificial moments don't feel like something. They should feel like something. But when you're constantly in that place, they don't feel as intense as if you're not in that place. We need good teaching. We need to sit at the feet of those that inspire us to be generous with our lives, our time, our love, our life. But more importantly, in the presence of Jesus himself. I 
had this encounter this week and it wrecked me. Um, I was with my nine-year-old son and I had planned this very special, very special moment for weeks, like weeks, 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 and built it up and he was built up and he was excited. We were excited. It was going to be amazing. It was going to be just a date, me and him. And uh, I made a big mistake in one of the details, something that normally it would not make it. I don't know. And I was like, I guess it had to happen because it was one of those moments where you look back and you're like, there's no way that I would have gotten this far to make this kind of mistake. Like, God, you had another plan that I didn't see in there. And one of the things that stood out to me amongst many other things that stood out to me, but one of the things that stood out to me in this plan, so I'd made a mistake. I was devastated. We were out together. My son was de devastated at one point. And uh, I just felt like a complete failure as a dad. I felt like a complete just straight up, like I just felt like I totally missed this detail, ruined the ama amazing epic moment that was, we had built up for so long, big expectation. And I I messaged my wife and I said, man, I messed up. I made a, a an error on a detail. I totally just slipped my mind. And um, now this this thing can't, can't happen. And I just said to my wife on a message, in front of my son, actually, thinking that he wasn't listening, I said, I just feel like a total failure as a dad. I feel like I totally messed up, totally failed, feel the guilt. And I got off the phone, and my son, Ezekiel, looks at me, and he says, he says, um, he starts to cry. He says, don't worry, don't worry, daddy, you're, you're, you're not a failure. You're not, you're not a bad dad. Because I, I use those words, I said, I feel like a bad dad. He's like, you're not a bad dad at all. And he starts crying. He said, I'm just thankful to be with you. I just want to be with you. And it wrecked me. It like wrecked me on every level. Like I couldn't get out of that space for the, for the rest of the night almost. I couldn't get out of that space in my head. And I kept thinking, I'm like, God, I, I did all of this, got to this space, this place. Why? And it's not just because of this, but I got to this. Today, I was thinking about this message I feel like it connects in the end. It's like my offering, my love, what I do in these moments really is just because I'm thankful to be with Jesus and thankful to be with him, to be present with him, to experience his presence. Like these House of Hearts moments are less about this big gift that we give and stepping out and more just about like, hey, I just love being in your presence, God. And being in your presence is like being with Mr. Generosity himself. I love being in the presence. And as a result, I just want to pour out something back to you to say, I trust you, to say, I, 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 I believe that you are who you say you are. It's part of my worship, part of my honor. And this is what we are doing today. If anything, if you get anything out of this message, I'm hoping it's this, that in these moments, it's more about what God prepares in our heart than anything else. It's more about the, the presence of Mr. Generosity himself that we get to experience and unlock, so to speak, in our life as we see his faithfulness and favor continue to unfold as we are led by the Spirit. My prayer today is what Paul said to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 4, verse 18, down a little bit in the verse out of the message translation saying this, that through the gifts that were sent, I'm hoping that there would be like a sweet smelling sacrifice roasting on the altar, filling the air with fragrance, pleasing God to no end. I love that, pleasing God to no end. You can be sure that God will take care of everything you need, his generosity exceeding even yours in the glory that pours out from Jesus. I love that. Exceeding even yours, God will always outgive us. We can never outgive God. And I've experienced this over and over again in my life. It's God's heart that we live in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 2. Live a life filled with love. Follow the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. This radical sacrifice that Mary did for Jesus, as I've said over and over again, was right before the most radical breakthrough, and that was the death and resurrection of Jesus on the cross and out of the tomb. And I want to read, before we 
dive into communion, which really represents the entire message about sacrifice, the entire message about filling the house with the fragrance of sacrifice and generosity. I want to just give you an opportunity. If you've never said yes to Jesus and you're watching this right now, the greatest gift you can give is not money. It's your heart. It's your life. The greatest thing that you can offer to God is your life in relationship. Maybe you've been questioning whether or not Jesus is real. You landed on this page by accident. I don't know how it happened for you, but I believe it had happened for a reason. And God has been knocking on the door of your heart over and over again through many different circumstances. Now you're here right now and you're wondering why. I believe it's because there is a relationship that he wants to have with you that you never thought was possible. Romans 10 says, all you have to do is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he's raised from the dead and you will be saved. It isn't the end, it's just the beginning point where you make a decision, you align your mouth and your heart with the truth of who God is for your life. You receive his invitation into forgiveness, his invitation that he paid for over 2,000 years ago on the cross. He paid the price for your salvation to set you free from sin and addiction, to deliver you from all the things that would bound you and hold you down. He paid the price before you were ever even born. And all you have to do is open up this gift. It's a free gift. It's called the gift of eternal life. And you can begin to walk into relationship with him right now. If that's you, just say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you're God. I want you in my life. I accept your forgiveness. I receive your forgiveness. I want to move forward in relationship with you. I believe that you're God, that you're the king, that you are Lord, and I believe that you are raised from the dead to raise me up to new life. In Jesus' name. If you said that, it's the best decision I believe you'll ever make in your life. And that's the beginning of your journey. It's the beginning. Now it's a relationship that continues to unfold. And I hope you would join us in this next moment as well because we're going to take communion together. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to 25, it says, For I pass on to you what I receive from the Lord himself. Paul is recounting the story of the Last Supper with Jesus and his disciples before the cross. And on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. So that's what we're doing right now. We're getting our, our grape juice, our wine out, whatever it is, our bread, our, our cracker, whatever it is. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 25, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. When we take it, we're engaging with God himself in the communion. We're communing with God in the communion. We're thanking Jesus for his broken body so our bodies can be healed. We're thanking Jesus for his spilled out blood so we can receive that forgiveness over and over again and not forget about it, to bring him back into the forefront of our focus. And especially during a day when we're pouring out sacrific a sacrificial gener a generous gift to God, to the house, this is a moment that we want to partner with understanding the why, and this is why, because we remember his sacrifice, his generous sacrifice for us. So as you prepare your House of Hearts card, as you got, make sure you write all the details on it. We love to see and track what came in simply for the House of Hearts versus the normal everyday offering. So please don't connect it to your normal offering. Please separate it for us so we are able to celebrate in the new year what came in simply for the House of Hearts offering. And if you haven't already, fill out your card and we're gonna pray for them after we take communion. So there's gonna be the details on the screen as you've seen already to have uh, had to engage this moment so you're not confused. Hopefully you're not confused. And let's take communion together right now. So Jesus, we just thank you for your body. Thank you for your blood. We thank you for healing right now. Release healing into our hearts, God. Release healing over our lives right now. I pray that you just help us to receive your forgiveness again over and over and over again. Remind us that you have forgiven us past, present, and future. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, what I want you to do is take your cards. These represent my family. And we're going to pray together. We're going to pray together for whatever it is that you're believing for. First, I just want to say thank you for taking the step. If it's the first time, second time, third time, whatever part of the step it is for you, we just celebrate the step, whatever it is. And whatever you've written down, 
I mean, I, I encourage people, like, don't just write a laundry list of things. Like, really pray about what God wants you to believe for. It's very easy to get discouraged and write down all these things that we just desire and then get to the end of the year and be like, nothing happened. Well, maybe we didn't take the time to really pray about what it is that we were to believe for for the next year. So I want to encourage you, once you have that, hold it up, hold it with your family, hold it with your kids, hold it with your wife. We're going to pray together. Jesus, we thank you for every request on these bookmarks. I just say over the house, through the airwaves right now, that you are faithful to fulfill your promises. You are faithful to exceed our own imagination, to exceed our own expectation, to exceed our faith on so many levels. I pray, God, that from this House of Hearts moment, God, that we would look back one year later from now and, and be mind-blown at the things that you broke through in on our behalf. God, I pray for answered prayer. I pray for crazy testimonies. I pray for miracles that go above and beyond what we expected even. God, I pray that if we ask for one thing, that you'd give us that one thing and go even a little bit deeper. God, I pray that even throughout this next few weeks, maybe we need to alter some of the things on the bookmark that you would speak to us, that you'd be clear with us so we can believe God, believe you, God, for what it is that you want to do in and through our lives in the year 2022. God, thank you for what you're gonna do in advance. God, we pray for financial breakthroughs and career shifts and, and promotions, God, and houses and things that we're just hoping for whether it's material or whether it's spiritual. God, we pray for breakthroughs in our relationships, our marriages, our our, our kids, God, our, our parenting, our leadership, God. We pray for breakthrough in the house as a church community, God, with a venue in Jesus' name. God, we pray for, for breakthrough in just so many areas of our life and healing, God, where there's sickness and disease ravaging our bodies and we're bleeding for a healing and a miracle. God, I pray that you would blow our mind in 2022. God, let it be a year of mind-blowing moments in Jesus' name. God, we're still coming out of this pandemic thing. We're still, it's all around us. And I just pray that, God, this next year would be a year to celebrate in so many ways in the name of Jesus. So we bless every request, God, and we just believe that you are faithful to fulfill your words, faithful to fulfill the things that your friends ask of you in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope and pray for you that in 2022, you'll be able to walk out and live out all the things that God has for you in a powerful, purposeful way in Jesus' name. God bless you all, Kingdom Culture. Happy House of Hearts Sunday 2021, kind of quarantine edition, not quarantine edition, but at home edition again, second year in a row. It's not gonna happen next year in Jesus' name. And so God, thank you for what you're gonna do Amen, Kingdom Culture. We will see you on Wednesday.